Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is Ray Fair referencing his book, Predicting Presidential Elections and Other Things, discussing how an economic model predicts the outcome of a presidential election. Can you explain your model for predicting the outcome of presidential elections in rather simple terms? Well, one of my aims in life is to teach econometrics to the general public. And the book that was mentioned at the opening is designed to try to do that. One feature of econometrics that I try to stress in the book is that it can be applied to many uh, different questions other than just the economy. In this case, we're talking today about applying econometric methods to explaining voting behavior. In the book, I do wine prices, extramarital affairs, sports, et cetera. So it's, a, it's an exciting, I hope, uh, to indicate to people an exciting technique to try to uh, learn. So today on the presidential vote, the, the uh, uh, my aim is to try to predict or explain the two-party vote share with data going back to 1916. So I take the 1916 election and go forward. And so the aim is to see how close one can come in predicting the changes in that vote share over time. One of the main things that's, that affect voting behavior is the economy. So the aim in this work is to try to see which of those economic variables uh, most affect voting behavior. And uh, not surprising, the growth rate of the economy and inflation are the two main factors that influence voting behavior. So what I try to do in this is to, again, use the econometric methods to uh, see if one can find systematic tendencies between the economy and the uh, way people vote for president. And the, if the economy's good at the time of the election, people, inflation's been low, the growth rate's been high, unemployment therefore will be low, then the um, results suggest that the voters, other things equal, tend to keep the incumbent party in power. If the economy's been poor, then it's the other way around. So at any one time, of course, there's hardcore Republicans and hardcore Democrats that always vote Democratic and Republican, but there are enough people who are swing voters that are influenced by the economy that seem to have a, a large effect on uh, election outcomes and are influenced, as I said, by the, by the economy. I know um, you haven't always gotten the correct outcome uh, in terms of who won the election, but as you were just explaining, um, that doesn't mean that you weren't very close. And can you explain that a little bit? The yeah, the, the way in which you judge this is to see, uh, I'm never perfect. I never get the exact vote share right. And so the question you want to ask is how large a mistake do I make each time between the, what actually happens, the actual vote share, and what the equation predicts should happen. And uh, the average mistake over the the 23 elections uh, going back to 1916 is about two and a half percentage points. So that uh, you can say on average, the economy and the other things that are in this equation, mostly the economy, uh, can explain a vote share up to the margin of error of about two and a half percentage points. So the rest of the two and a half, it can be un unusual, unique features of each election, which we just simply don't handle. And some elections are better than others. And, in the last election in 2004, I predicted that uh, Bush would win, but by, by uh, a lot more than he actually did win by. So the error in that case was four or five percentage points. So it was, I got the winner right, but in fact, 
the election, um, but I, I'm way overestimated how well Bush, um, how, how Bush did. He did much worse than the equation predicted he should. On the other hand, in, in 2000, which was basically a 50-50 election, uh, the equation right from the very beginning when I was making the predictions was predicting 50-50. So that, in that case, the error was less than a percentage point, and it was right on, even though in terms of the winner, um, it could go either way. And I think in this case, I actually got the winner right, because, but only by fluke. Because, um, so, that's, so that's the, um, uh, so, so you can go through, I, I won't uh, spend any more time, but you can go through each one of these elections and say what the error was and then, uh, and then discuss that. Well, actually, that's what I'd like to talk about. What are the sources of errors that you might have made? Well, you, you never know. There's many, there are many stories for each error. So let's take the, the Bush error in the 2004. Was it Iraq? Was it the fact that he was too conservative on average? Uh, or was it something the Democrats did that was better than, than expected? And you don't really know. Each person has his own theory. My particular personal theory is the Iraq had a lot to do with Bush not doing as well as he, um, according as well as the equation predicted he should. But it's, it's hard to, to know. The, one of the largest errors was in 1992, where I predicted that uh, Elder Bush should have won, and he didn't. And so I not only got the winner wrong in that case, but actually the error was fairly large, over four percentage points. The puzzle there is that the economy in 1992 was actually reasonably good, uh, but the uh, with the data that we have now, but people perceived, it seems, from the surveys at the time, the economy not to be very good in 92. So it may, this may have been an unusual case in which, for some reason, voters were pessimistic about the economy, even though the data suggested they shouldn't be as pessimistic. And, uh, and so the equation predicted that Bush, because the economy was reasonably good, should have done much better than he did. Um, and uh, so that was a, a mistake. That was the largest mistake I've made since uh, going back to 1916. What would be a reason that people would not understand why, uh, how the economy actually is? How can they misperceive the economy on well, such the, a large scale? Yes, that's a, that's a hard question. The, the data, w the way in which this econometric work works is that you, you have economic variables like the growth rate of the economy, the inflation rate, which are published by the government, which are used to try to explain voting behavior. But no one thinks that voters actually look up in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, what the actual inflation rate is or what the uh, growth rate is. They just kind of observe around them what's happening, what their neighbors are doing, what their families doing, what the prices seem to be in the stores. And, though, and we're trying to, when we assume in this work that whatever they're looking at is highly correlated with the, with the variables that we're actually using. And most of the time, that seems pretty good. For some reason, in 92, some people think it was the media uh, hyping or harping all the time on, on the economy. But for some reason, there was a disconnect, it seemed, between the actual variables that I'm using and what people thought. As I said, most of the time, that's not true. That seemed to be the case then. Uh, but again, it's hard to test that because there are other stories. Perot was another problem in 92 that could have led there to be uh, difference. I'm only looking at share of two-party vote. But anyway, the, the bottom, the, the answer to the question is we are assuming that as people look around, they are, and what they're seeing are highly correlated with actual data that the government puts out that we actually then use in the econometric work. 
Do the candidates uh, consult you? Um, I think they know. I think the the political uh, parties know know of it. I, I I don't consult. No, they the the it's on my website. People can fool around with it, uh, but I I don't really. Uh, I'm not a pundit, so I don't I don't really consult. No. So you're consulted passively. Yes, right. That's right. Um, so, um, I don't know how to put this exactly, but why wouldn't somebody just sit back and say, "Hey, according to this model, um, I've gotten it. I have it sewn up." and basically not spend so much money trying to sway voter opinion? Yeah, that's a very good question. I'm asked that a lot. That, we're, that goes back to this error, the two and a half percentage points error, so that uh, a lot of things can happen that, that are not in the equation about the economy, et cetera, and those are the, what, the things we don't explain, and on average, that, what we don't explain is two and a half percent. So, for example, if the equation then is predicting that the vote share is going to be 49 percent, um, there's a lot of room for the parties to work on trying to get that error uh, in their favor. So that the, you can think about the campaigns as just simply trying to work on all these things that are not explained in the equation, all the non-economic things or perhaps other economic things that aren't in the equation to try to, to sell the, their uh, person for the presidency. And um, and so there's a lot of room, in other words, to manipulate. On the other hand, if the prediction is, say, like 57%, so more than two standard errors away from 50%, then the, the, this equation says that um, it's unlikely that, they're, that the other party, the party that's going to get the 43, is actually going to be able to make that up. So, for example, in the 2004 election, the bottom line at that point was that Bush looks like he's going to win, that the 57 percent is an awfully hard thing for the Democrats to overcome, and they didn't. You know, they did much better than expected, according to my equation, but they didn't overcome it. Um, so, so most of the time, these elections are, are close in, in some sense, and so there is room. The party should work very hard on trying to get their message across. So if there's a third party involved, as there was in 1992, are you factoring that in whenever it happens? Which it yeah, third parties are a problem. Uh, the assumption that, that this work is based on is that the third party candidate takes equal um, amounts, roughly equal amounts from both parties, right? Um, and that, that's kind of the working hypothesis. But and that's not actually, is it actually the case? Uh, usually it's not too bad. It's not mm. too bad. But you might, if Perot, for example, took, in 92, took more from the Republicans than he did from the Democrats, that would explain in part why the Republicans didn't do as well, why Bush didn't, Elder Bush didn't do as well. Um, so th that can be an assumption that p possibly is not that good, but most of the time it's probably not too bad. And anyway, that's what I work with, is just assume that whoever's running, they're taking equal amounts from both. And in 2000, I mean, there was a serious contender, Ralph Nader, and the conventional wisdom is that he did throw the election. Yeah, and that's, uh, that was small but possibly significant in Florida. I mean, it, it was so close that, in that case, that any of these little things like that could, could make the, uh, could change the election in terms of who won. So, um, so that, that's, that's true. It didn't, it didn't change the prediction of the vote very much, I think, because he didn't get a lot of votes. He just got a lot of key votes perhaps in Florida, and Florida was so close that you could move it on the other side. 
Are you set to make any predictions about this race? Yes. So this is an interesting uh, example where the the issue at the moment is, as we talk, is whether the economy in 2008 is going to be in a recession or not. So it makes a big difference to my prediction, as you might expect, on whether we are into a recession or not. So say we don't go into a recession. Say that the economy just goes along as uh, kind of average. Then the equation does predict that uh, the Republicans will lose because uh, the economy hasn't been terrific. Um, but, but they will get, according to this prediction, about 48 percent of the two-party vote. So that means that we're within two and a half standard, two and a half errors of, of 50. So certainly it would be a relatively close election if the economy did not go into recession, things were more or less okay. But still, it does predict a democratic victory, but by a modest margin. On the other hand, if there's a recession, so you actually have negative growth uh, for this year, unemployment rate is rising, perhaps inflation will pick up, uh, but at least um, with the growth rate being negative, then the equation predicts that Republicans will get about 45 percent of the two-party vote. So that's two, or maybe even a little less than 45, and that's more than two standard errors away from 50 percent, which they would then, you know, barely win. So the the bottom line here is that there is a recession. It seems quite unlikely, according to the equation, that Republicans will win. And I think that seems to me to be uh, intuitively uh, reasonable. If you think about September and October, uh, and say we are in a, have been in a recession, so for the last three quarters, the economy's been negative growth, unemployment rates rising, people losing their jobs, their incomes are falling. The Democrats, whoever it is, will be uh, harping on the economy day after day. The Republicans just can't get control of the economy, and, and that's got to hurt uh, the Republicans. And so I, it seems to me that this prediction that, that there is a recession, the Republicans will lose by a fair amount, is uh, kind of intuitively se sensible. Is it an either-or situation? I mean, many people might perceive themselves to be in a recession. And does it matter um, whether we are, in fact, in a recession? Isn't it just a more question of how people perceive the economy? Yeah, although my variables wouldn't pick that up. So that if, if we're, this is, we back to the 92 mm -hmm. problem. If we, if we are not in a recession, but, but people think we are, then my variables that I'm using will have no recession. And so the prediction for the equation would be more like 48 percent rather than 45 because I'm using variables that don't have recession in them. So in that case, if voters perceive there to be a recession, then the predicted vote for the Republicans will be less than what I'm predicting in the 48. They would actually be predicting, they would actually maybe be voting so, so that the actual outcome was say 45 percent for the Republicans. I would be predicting 48 because I'm not factoring in a recession in the data. Um, so that would, that would then lead, as in 92, to a fairly large error. And is it possible for an incumbent president to actually manipulate things so that the economy improves <clears throat> just short of the election? I mean, in time for people to think happy days are here again? Yeah, that's an interesting, also interesting question. This work doesn't relate to that. You're really switching the, the gears and asking how do politicians behave? You know, do polit I'm trying to enter in this case to discuss how voters behave. 
a conditional on the economy. But now the, an interesting question is how do politicians behave? So we could look at each uh, politician, each administration, see did it look like they tried to manipulate the economy? For the most part, uh, it looks like they don't try. For one thing, m much of the fluctuations in the economy are, are the pr problem of the Fed, of the monetary authority, the Federal Reserve, and, uh, and not the administration. So it's difficult, even if they wanted to, to manipulate for the fiscal branch of the government. The administration actually manipulate the economy in that way. The timing is hard and so forth. Um, so it's, it's not easy, and there's not much evidence they do that. There's some evidence that Nixon, in his, the second time he ran, may have tried uh, to uh, beef up the economy a little bit near the end of the election. There's, so there's some slight data there. In some cases, it's very, the pattern is very consistent that the economy does grow strongly in the year of the election, which helps the incumbent party, but it's not obvious that the that the administration really tried, it just happened to be. And Reagan, the second time Reagan ran, that was true. The economy was growing perfectly, for him, his point of view, in the year that he was running. But I don't, there's no evidence that he actually tried to do that. It just uh, happened. So the only example I can give is maybe Nixon, but otherwise they don't seem to do that. Thank you. That was Ray Fair discussing the ways in which the state of the economy preceding a presidential election largely determines which candidate will win. The date will win.